This is episode number 57 of the Individual One podcast. For the record, individual number one is President Donald J. Trump. And I am your host, John Ziegler. We're broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, and distributed internationally by the Global Story Network. This is the bi-weekly program which takes an honest and hard look at the presidency of Donald J. Trump from a conservative perspective, because unfortunately no one else is willing or able to tell the real truth about him. Unlike the corporate media, we here at the Individual One podcast have most definitely not been compromised or co-opted. Welcome to the program. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter at individual one pod that's individual the number one pod you know they say that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result and i'm getting that overwhelming feeling as we are embroiled in yet a new donald trump related scandal this one doesn't have an official name as of yet but uh, some people are calling it whistleblower gate other people are saying that it's uh, ukraine gate i don't know why we still have to have everything as a gate but it's all because of watergate correct uh but here here's the here's the bottom line on this for the last several days the political world has been in a complete tizzy and democrats have been renewing calls with great uh, passion for donald trump to be impeached which i totally get and in theory i totally support all because of a story that we referenced very, very briefly several weeks ago. I don't know how many weeks ago. It was a couple weeks ago. But uh, I was going through a series of emerging Trump scandals, and I referenced this column in the Washington Post that happened to mention, oh, by the way, uh, there's evidence that the uh, President of the United States, Donald Trump, has been trying to get Ukraine to investigate uh, Hunter Biden, and I guess by by extension Joe Biden, by using uh, U.S. aid as a, a carrot stick situation to do so. And when I read that, I'm like, okay, this is so weird. First of all, it seems beyond even what Donald Trump might be capable of doing from an ethical or unethical standpoint. But m- more importantly than that, why is this stuck in an opinion column and not getting a whole lot of play. And in a weird way, it kind of reminded me, although differently, than how the New York Times' second allegation against Brett Kavanaugh at Yale story uh, broke in the New York Times uh, last weekend. Because uh, why is this an opinion piece? Why is it not the headline? It, it just doesn't make a lot of sense, but from, again, a different perspective. So I referenced that, and I think I said something along the lines of, This seems too crazy to even be true for Trump. Well, this week, uh, we now know that there's at least something to it. And there could be a lot to it. And what has been widely reported is that on numerous occasions, up to eight times apparently, President Trump was on the phone with President Zelensky of Ukraine. And depending on – and nuance is so important here – Depending on uh, how you interpret it, it certainly appeared, at least to the whistleblower who has filed an official complaint, that the President of the United States was, in fact, trying to use USA to get (laughs) the President of Ukraine to investigate or reinvestigate or maybe investigate for the first time, again, depending on who you believe, Hunter Biden, so that he could have dirt on Joe Biden 
in the coming presidential campaign. Now, this is where Trump benefits from uh, being so far outside the norm that it's hard to wrap your brain uh, around whether or not uh, he actually did this, and if so, what really happened. I mean, because he, he really is capable of almost anything. Correct. So what appears as if has happened is that this is a classic Donald Trump. Again, I want to stipulate we don't have all the facts yet. It is still quite possible that there are problems in the narrative. But this has been so now overwhelmingly reported by so many different outlets with so many different sources that it seems pretty clear at the very least, here's what happened. Donald Trump, at the very least, in a Tony Soprano-like fashion, and this is so consistent with his M.O., and we should be calling him Donnie Soprano. I mean, that's who he is. I've, I've always re- referenced that the fictional character that Donald Trump is most like is Tony Soprano from the HBO miniseries, which ended many years ago. Tony Soprano, the mob boss. So uh, to me, he's Donnie Soprano. And Donnie Soprano is not uh, nearly as dumb when it comes to street smarts as his opponents and critics would like to believe that he is. And he understands that, especially when you're president of the United States, and this is so important. We saw this in the Michael Cohen uh, lie about uh, the Moscow Tower project in Russia when he lied to Congress and he claimed that that was over with in January of 2016. Nobody ever told Michael Cohen, at least there's not direct evidence of this, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go into Congress and you're going to lie and here's the lie you're going to tell. Cohen's own testimony is that Trump speaks in code and those around him do the same thing. And when you're president, it's easy to speak in code, especially when everyone knows what your motivations are, because you have at least perceived as having such immense power. You don't have to spell it out. You don't really have to twist any arms. Well, here, Ukraine, uh, you know, they need us and Trump wants something from them. So he is apparently the president from Ukraine wasn't getting it right away because apparently it took eight times to do it at least. But Trump says, hey, look, you know, uh, we'd really like you to investigate uh, uh, Hunter Biden again or, or look into whatever buzzwords that he used. Now, this is all um, exceedingly complex. And that's, I think, going to work to Trump's favor because uh People don't get into details. Our attention spans are incredibly short. And let's face it, you know, most of uh, Trump's fans are not very smart. I love the poorly educated. And so uh, what what appears to have happened is that there's a, a quid pro quo here without the actual quid pro quo, which legally might be the way that Trump is able to get out of this. Now, in the real world, this is outrageous. I, I want to make this very, very clear. Because, you know, my basic position on this, and I've already written a column for Mediaite, is that, guys, uh, Trump's going to survive this. And let me explain to you why Trump's going to survive this. But I also want to emphasize that, uh, based upon what we currently know, it is absolutely outrageous. It is absolutely impeachable. He is using the, the prestige and the tax money of the American government to do his own bidding in a political election, asking a foreign country to effectively meddle in our elections. Now, as is so often the case, in retrospect, this makes a lot of the things with Trump 
make some sense. Like, for instance, when he told George Stephanopoulos, yeah, I, I would accept uh, uh, dirt on my opponent from a, from a foreign country. Well, it, it's clear he already had this in mind or was already trying to make this happen. I mean, that's why he gave that very peculiar answer to George Stephanopoulos. Because uh, he's not a moron. He, he really isn't. He is a book moron, but in, in street smarts and in survival instincts, he's a darn genius or at least a savant. I mean, that's just the way Trump is. With me, it's just works. You know, it's magic. It is magic. It's not necessarily good magic. It's sometimes evil magic, and it's all about him. But you need to understand this is how he operates. And so... By doing this, I mean, even implying this, if Barack Obama had even implied he was going to do something like this. I mean, take the IRS scandal, for instance, where the evidence isn't nearly as good, apparently, and not nearly as direct, of the IRS doing Barack Obama's political bidding for him. Well, this is clearly coming right from the horse's mouth. This is Donald Trump talking to a foreign president like a mob boss saying, hey, do my political bidding for me, and you know what, you'll probably get your aid. But he doesn't say it that way, apparently. And I, as I say in my Mediate column, one of the biggest problems here is there has to be tapes for this to matter, to this to matter to the degree that a lot of Trump critics are hoping that it will be significant. Without tapes, this to me is a dead story because it doesn't impact anybody's lives directly. And unfortunately, we're an incredibly selfish people. We only really care about things that we can see direct impact of, or at the very least, we can see or hear the corrupt behavior. Because otherwise, if there's just a transcript that eventually comes out, there's you can always uh, interpret a transcript in whatever way you want to do so, especially with someone as bizarre as Trump. Oh, he was joking there. Or, hey, he never said uh, that you, if you do this, I'll do that, or vice versa. And so there's all sorts of ways for him to get out of it. So the first problem with the story is I don't think there's ever going to be tapes, at least not that become public. The second part is, is there really a quid pro quo that can be proven? I don't think Trump is dumb enough to do it that way. The third problem is that, let's face it, most people can't even find Ukraine on a map. Uh, it's hard for them to understand the significance of it. And then there's this issue of, is this actually going to blow back on uh, on Joe Biden himself? Well, oh, God. Uh, because in the short run, here's, here's my take on the, the Biden impact. In the short run, uh, I think this probably helps Biden. Because there's a rally around the flag uh, phenomenon here that Trump is attacking uh, Biden in what appears to be an outrageous fashion. And I think some Democrats will rally to his defense. Uh, He um, has responded fairly strongly, especially for Joe Biden. Uh, Here is a clip of him responding to this whole basic issue. Let me set this up a little bit more because the the timeline here is important the details are important and so far i think the trump campaign is full of crap on this joe biden issue i'm willing to listen but it, it certainly appears as if what the trump people are doing and we've seen this happen before we've seen this with the andrew mccabe scandal where they do this transitive property bull crap 
where uh, Andrew McCabe, the FBI agent who got fired and now looks like he's going to get indicted, which I think would be outrageous, their, their claim has always been that the Clintons gave Andrew McCabe's wife money and that therefore that somehow um, compromised him. Well, no, no, that's not what happened. It wasn't the Clintons. It was Terry McAuliffe, the governor of Virginia, where she was running for an election, he gave her campaign money. But in the morons' minds, somehow that the, Terry McAuliffe becomes the Clintons and the campaign becomes her. Those are two incredibly important distinctions. The Uranium One bullcrap story with Hillary Clinton and Russia is very similarly structured by the Trump people. But with regard to this hunting thing, the key here is they keep saying that uh, Biden got this Ukrainian prosecutor fired because he was investigating Hunter Biden. Well, no, uh, he was investigating the company for which Hunter Biden once worked. But if you look at the timeline, and the timelines are always so incredibly important here, it doesn't seem to match. Not only that, but lots of people have looked into this. There's been some decent reporting about this, although I think the media is blowing this inadvertently because they're so damn stupid. Uh, but there's been a, some decent reporting indicating that others have looked into this objectively, including those in the Ukraine, and said Joe Biden did nothing wrong and that Hunter Biden was never even under investigation. But this is what happens when you have a cult of morons and you can you can – use that transitive property of, well, it's a company that Hunter Biden once worked for <laughs> or, or had a role in, and uh, and therefore somehow uh, this is a scandal that is Joe Biden's scandal. Here was Joe Biden's uh, response, somewhat fiery, uh, especially for him. He was able to get through it, uh, although not uh, as smoothly as some would like. But here, here he is in a gaggle uh, with reporters, I think in Iowa, uh, it certainly seemed like it was Iowa, but uh, regardless, uh, here's what that sounded like yesterday. Here's what I know. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. He is violating every basic norm of a president. You should be asking him the question, why is he on the phone with a foreign leader trying to intimidate a foreign leader, if that's what happened. That appears what happened. You should be looking at Trump. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum. And he's using the abuse of power and every element of the, the presidency to try to do something to smear me. Everybody looked at this and everybody's looked at it and said there's nothing there. Ask the right question. Now, that's a good response, uh, especially the ask the right question, because I think the media is incredibly prone to blowing this, much like they did with Hillary's emails. And I wrote about that portion of this controversy in the column that I, I wrote for Mediate, which you can find uh, at uh, our uh, Twitter feed, which is Individual One Pod. Uh, so in the short run, I think this helps Biden. Again, rally around the flag. It allows him to attack uh, Trump. It makes him look like he's so important that Trump is going to extreme lengths to try to take him out. So all that I think in the short run plays well, for Biden, the problem becomes the long run. And this is where I think Democrats are in another no-win situation. And, you know, I don't think Trump is, a, is a smart enough or genius enough, uh, no one is, to have been able to concoct this whole thing to create this outcome. 
But as is so often the case, things that should hurt Trump end up bouncing off of him and hurting people around him. And I think in the long run, because of this nearly impossible situation that I'll I'll get into in in a moment, I think that there is a scenario here that this harms Biden potentially fatally in the long run. And here's what I mean by that. There's now so much energy over this story. I mean, even uh, on some elements of the right, I've referenced before, I have a a good friend who works for a uh, a very pro-Trump, effectively state-run media outlet, who uh, last year bet me that uh, Donald Trump would be out of office by the end of this year. And at one point, I even doubled the bet. And uh, this person was very excited about this story and was, I, I, I don't know, she was hoping that this would mean that, uh, that she would win the bet. I told uh, this person that that's not the case. She's, they're not, they're not going to win the bet. Um, but the reality is that um, there, there's a lot of people who have a lot of hope in this story and a lot of energy in this story. And you've got uh, AOC, uh, leader of the progressive squad in the House Democratic Caucus, now uh, championing impeachment and saying, hey, I can't believe we haven't impeached him yet. So if this becomes the next Russiagate and this becomes a drumbeat and this becomes the subject of impeachment, which it all could and theoretically should if the facts end up working out the, the way that they appear the problem here is what's the Trump response going to be? We're already seeing this. I, I, I've called this perfectly in, in that media column. The, the response here is going to be from the Trump people to attack. They're not going to defend. They're going to attack. They're going to say, hey, we did the right thing here. We're fighting corruption. This is perfectly legitimate. There's nothing wrong with this when the president does it as as corrupt as it is so obviously to anyone with half a brain. And their attack is going to be to make this about Joe Biden. Even though there's no evidence of it, all they need is a shred of, of theoretical evidence. And there's a clip of Joe Biden bragging about having helped get rid of this Ukrainian prosecutor. That doesn't indicate any wrongdoing. In fact, Based upon the way I look at this, it, it could be a sign he did the right thing because everybody thought this guy was corrupt. And so, but that's not going to matter. Now, if it only stays within the Trump cult, that doesn't really harm Joe Biden at all. But there is a drumbeat effect. And this is where we go back to what happened with the Hillary emails. The reality is that the Hillary email story, especially in retrospect, considering all the things that Donald Trump does on an almost daily basis that risk our national security as president, as opposed to using an unsecured email server as secretary of state, uh, it it dwarfs the supposed uh, Hillary Clinton email scandal. But because it was every day, drumbeat, boom, 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 it created a perception And the perception was, oh, boy, these are two corrupt uh, candidates, so I might as well go with the person I dislike less or I agree with more on the issues or seems less politically correct or I I actually, you know, he's a male, he's strong, I I just don't like Hillary, I don't want to be lectured for four years. And so the undecided voters went to Donald Trump. 
Well, if they can create the perception that Joe Biden has a a problem that is connected to Donald Trump and his past, there are Democrats who might end up who don't really love Joe Biden to begin with and have other choices at this point. There, there could be Democrats who are on the fence and go, you know what, do we really want to go through this again? This feels like Hillary's emails. I don't know what the details are. I don't know what the truth is. But, you know, Trump and his sycophants are all up in arms about this. And, you know, there, I saw that clip of Biden, and, boy, that's, that seems kind of fishy. And, you know, I just don't want to deal with this. Can't we find somebody else? And there's a long time between now and when the Democrats are going to choose their uh, their nominee. I mean, it's at least six months between now and when the nomination could even theoretically be wrapped up. That's an eternity. And so this is a dangerous situation. Now, there are those who already, uh, now they don't know what they're, they're agreeing with me, but they, they have uh, said the same thing that I have said. Uh, very prominent people on, on Twitter and elsewhere are, are getting this potential narrative that this is a problem. That how's the media going to handle this? How do you handle it when the president of the United States and his personal lawyer are going on national television and on Twitter and making a charge uh, about a a major presidential candidate? Do you just ignore it? Do do you uh, not give it any credibility? And and trying to knock it down in a story like this is not easy. It's it is a complex story. It's difficult to wrap your hands around. It's not a ratings winner. I see lots of problems here. Now, I realize I'm a pessimist by nature, and I'm not saying that this is doom for Joe Biden. I'm saying it is possible. It is possible that this plays out in a way that boomerangs, not because it should, not because the facts warrant it, not because logic warrants it, but because that's the bizarre world in which we live. That that's that's the way t- things tend to work for Trump, and uh, and it's it's incredibly frustrating, and it's and it's dangerous, but I just don't see. Here's the bottom line: I just don't see the scenario where this Ukraine story brings Donald Trump down. Now I do see the scenario where he ends up getting impeached, and the impeachment problem is growing for Democrats. Now, as you probably know. I was one of the very first people to come out in favor of impeachment for Donald Trump. I even convinced uh, my friend, uh, Representative Congressman Democrat from Kentucky, John Yarmuth, chairman of the Budget Committee, to change his position on impeachment. And he has now been one of the uh, the leaders of the so-called impeachment caucus in the Democratic House, continuing to say it's not a matter of if but when Donald Trump will be impeached. I have kind of soured on impeachment, although philosophically I'm still exactly where I was because I think they blew it. I think they blew it from a timing perspective and from a messaging standpoint. But now there's a growing chorus of people, very high-powered people on the left, including many of the Democratic presidential candidates, who are starting to put increased pressure on Nancy Pelosi to finally – Say, okay, we'll do this. And I have to say, the fact that she has not gone in that direction yet is further vindication of my view, which is in disagreement with my friend Congressman Yarmouth, who knows Nancy Pelosi very well. I don't know her at all. But sometimes that's a disadvantage in interpreting someone's actions. I've been saying for a long time to John and others that Nancy's playing a game here. 
John disagrees with that. But I think the last couple days have proven this is a game, that there's almost nothing that can happen where Nancy Pelosi, at least to this point, is willing to say, okay, uh, unleash the dogs. We're going to impeach, even if it means he's going to get acquitted in the Senate. We're going to go ahead with this. Now, I'm, I'm all in favor of waiting for all the facts, um, but uh, it's pretty clear where Nancy Pelosi is politically. And let me, before I forget, there's one other element of this thing from the Trump perspective that kind of shows what a fraud the Trump uh, um, spin on this is. There, there's so many elements that are problematic, but here's the big one. They're simultaneously saying we did nothing wrong. This is perfectly good and acceptable. But we're also saying, by the way, Rudy Giuliani within seconds said it didn't happen to it did happen in an interview on CNN with Chris Cuomo. A lot of people think that that's because Rudy is nuts. Rudy, Rudy might be nuts. He might be crazy like a fox. We saw this during Russiagate because the cult likes to have options. The cult likes to have different options for what it is that they are going to believe. So if you're the cult, you give them the option, this didn't happen, or it did happen, but it's not a big deal, or it's actually a good thing. So the cult, you know, being a cult, will will take whichever flavor they like on that particular day. Well, similarly, the, the general sense you're getting from Giuliani is, okay, this was actually a good thing that Trump did. Uh, Trump is uh, kind of uh, riding the fence, and he's never really denying that it happened, but leaving open the idea that it didn't really happen. But internally, they're in cover-up mode. And this appears to be coming from Bill Barr, where they're not allowing Congress to have the whistleblower complaint. Well, why not? If they've got nothing to hide, if this was all good and fine and dandy and actually a positive thing, then then why don't you want the whistleblower complaint out there? Well, because it probably wasn't. It probably was very bad. And so this is all about giving the cult different options and making things as difficult as possible and delay. They also know delay is always their friend. That's what happened with Russiagate. Delay is their friend because people will get tired. Their attention spans are short. Again, without tapes, there's very little to keep fueling this story. And so I think they know that that will work to their advantage. But as far as impeachment is concerned, um, you know, I'm all in favor of waiting until all the facts come in. But there are so many things for which Donald Trump should be impeached. Uh, the emoluments clause, the campaign finance situation, the obstruction of justice in the Russia investigation, uh, this particular situation, if it is remotely as has been reported, and some other things are all worthy in a rational world of impeachment. And if you don't impeach Donald Trump for these things, then when in the future can you ever possibly impeach a president? And that's been one of my primary concerns in all of this. You are eliminating the impeachment power of Congress if you do not impeach Donald Trump, regardless of whether or not there are uh, any uh, people of any character at all on the Republican side in the Senate. And I got to say... <laughs> And I've seen some Democrats starting to, to, to echo this on Twitter. It is absolutely infuriating that Democratic cowardice is letting Republican senators off the hook. Okay, it's one thing to know they're not going to vote to uh, convict Donald Trump and remove him from office. I get that. But at least make them do it. At least make them do it. I mean, 
And you're letting them completely off the hook. You're letting them have their cake and eat it too. They, they, get, they get to be cowards without actually being cowardly in a public way. And I think some Democrats are starting to get this. And so Nancy's going to be under a lot of pressure. It, it, you know, if this story does pan out close to what has been reported, I, I do think she's probably going to have to eventually cave because she's in danger of having picked the absolute worst lane in this thing. You're pissing off the, the pro-impeachment people and – uh, you're, you're doing nothing uh, with regard to helping those supposed moderates who did not want uh, Donald Trump to be impeached. You're, you've, you've helped nobody. Uh, you got to pick a lane eventually. You, you cannot ride the fence on this. This is, this is a very serious matter that requires people to actually take a position. And I, I do think, it, again, it all depends on how this plays out in the next couple of weeks. But I do think Nancy's probably going to end up having to cave. So bottom line, I do not believe this is going to be the end of Donald Trump. Uh, I've disappointed a lot of people, but they understood where I was coming from by uh, pouring cold water on on this uh, frenzy over the last uh, couple of days. I think Joe Biden gets helped in the short run, but potentially harmed in the long run. But I do think that it probably increases the chances that Donald Trump will be impeached. How that ends up playing out politically, I don't think anybody knows at this time. One other story I want to uh, mention before uh, we end this episode of the Individual One podcast. We've talked a lot in the last two episodes about this New York Times hit piece on Brett Kavanaugh. And there were two things that that happened uh, this week with regard to that that I found uh, pretty hilarious and worthy of mention, actually just in the last few days. And... uh, one of them was that the New York Times reporters who wrote this book about Kavanaugh, desperate for some sort of narrative that will uh, appeal to, you know, big time liberals and progressives who will be willing to buy their book. They actually uh, put forward this narrative that others in the left wing media parroted because it goes to what they already believe about Brett Kavanaugh. They uh, they claimed that Brett Kavanaugh asked them to lie on his behalf. That was an actual news story picked up by numerous liberal outlets, uh, foremost among them Post. And when I read this headline, I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? Well, when you read the story, <clears throat> the story is Brett Kavanaugh asked us to lie or demanded that we lie if he was going to speak to us. And I'm like, what, are you, what the hell are these guys talking about? That's what's called speaking on background. So here's what happened. All right. By the way, it wasn't even Brett Kavanaugh. It was a, a representative for Brett Kavanaugh had a conversation with the reporters. They asked for an interview. Kavanaugh's people said, no, we're not going to give an interview, but we will talk to you on background. Now, on background means you speak to them completely off the record, there's no quotations, there's no indication that you spoke to me, nothing at all. That we, I'm just giving you my version of the story to point you in the right direction, to give you context, to, to uh, make sure that you don't screw this up. At least you have my story or my version of the story. And so on background, in, you don't identify the person. And their story is, the New York Times reporter's story is, that the Kavanaugh representative said, look, uh, we will only speak to you if when you are asked about this, when the book comes out, that you deny 
you ever spoke to Brett Kavanaugh. Now, I get that uh, when spun that way, that can sound like, oh, you're asking us to lie. Um, No, that's the way speaking on background works. Speaking on background is inherently deceitful. But here's the big difference. Here's the here's the the intrinsic fundamental difference that no one on the left and I argued with so many damn liberals on Twitter about this wasted so much time on this stupid issue, but it was just amazing that no one was willing to accept the fundamental reality of this situation, and that is because the story is all about Brett Kavanaugh, and because Brett Kavanaugh is such a huge personality, not just in the story. I mean, that book is all about him, but he's a Supreme Court justice. Obviously, the reporters are going to get asked, hey, did you speak to Brett Kavanaugh? And if they say, which would be typical, and it's important to point out, it's not typical that that reporters on a book tour get asked about everybody that they could have theoretically talked to, but they're going to get asked about Brett Kavanaugh. And when they say, if they say, as would be naturally, the case. Well, we don't uh, speak uh, about who we did not speak to. Uh, we have no comment on that or something along those lines. Then we know, oh, so you did speak to Brett Kavanaugh. And he didn't want that to be the case because think about it logically. He's giving credibility to their book. And if it turns out to be a hit piece, these are New York Times reporters, he's helping people do a hit job on him. So All he wants is, hey, look, I'll give you my version of the story. You just can't say that I'm someone you spoke to. Well, this obvious reality in this effort to smear Brett Kavanaugh just got completely lost. And somehow now it's a it's it's someone is asking you to lie or demanding that you lie when their representative is negotiating the terms of an off the record background interview. Come on, people. Really? It's just flat out ridiculous. And you know what the most absurd part of this whole thing is? If there was anybody who broke an ethical lapse or had an ethical ethical lapse, and by the way, it's also important to point out, Kavanaugh didn't do this. It was his representative. And by the way, it's also important to point out, we're trusting the New York Times reporters who did this hit piece on Kavanaugh to tell us the truth about what happened in this I'm sure, nuanced investigation. But it gets even worse than that. What the hell are the New York Times reporters doing publicly divulging the nature of a negotiation over whether or not someone's going to speak to them on background? You cannot be serious. That's the ethical lapse here. Why would anyone ever, a prominent person, ever speak to these reporters on background again? Why would you ever do that? Because you're just going to get burned. Because these guys are now so desperate, they've been so humiliated by that original story and, and how it completely imploded, that now they're desperate for some sort of narrative that will save face and sell books. But in this desperation, they're all over the map. They actually also said, get this, the Democrats, the reporters, the New York Times reporters, the authors of this book, the two female reporters who wrote this book about Brett Kavanaugh, They're now attacking Democrats for jumping the gun in calling for Brett Kavanaugh's impeachment based upon their original story in the New York Times. In other words, you people are morons for not understanding that our original piece was a a pile of crap that was intended to appeal to progressives 
who read the New York Times and subscribe to the New York Times, and we were making sure that the nut job liberals on Twitter don't attack us. So we left out some important pieces of information. Our news department wouldn't even let us go with this as a news story. We stuck it, snuck it into the opinion section on the weekend, and you morons were too stupid to realize this, and you should never have called for his impeachment based upon our reporting. I'm not making it up. That's what they actually said. It's, it's really quite amazing. Uh, the, the the level to which this story has imploded, and I believe, bottom line, that the New York Times reporters have done more to prove that Brett Kavanaugh is totally, 100%, completely innocent in this entire allegation of sexual harassment or sexual abuse, and, and they've done so in a way that the conservative media never could have possibly done. Correct. And uh, and so, you know, if there's any justice in this, that's it. But they're, but the liberals are never going to stop coming after Brett Kavanaugh. They've invested so much in this now. They have to prove that they're right. They have to vindicate Christine Ford, who I do not believe her story. I think it was a therapy-induced memory that uh, came about 25 years after it occurred. There's, I believe, enormous circumstantial evidence of that. And I think that the Ramirez story from Yale is an urban legend that uh, Brett Kavanaugh's name got attached to many, many, many years later. I think he is totally innocent. And uh, but they're never going to let this go because the liberals need to be proven that they weren't crazy for doing this. And and, and, it, and it's not just that the allegation was false. It came forward at the last moment in the middle of a, a contentious confirmation hearing. It was the most outrageous political hit I've ever seen in my life. And uh, and it's one of the I, I get why it's one of the reasons why. Uh, conservatives still support Donald Trump. They'll put up with almost anything because Trump stood by Kavanaugh and he won that battle. And I, I get it. And now to me, it's that's not enough to sell out everything else that Trump brings to the table. But I, I at least get it. I understand it. And it's part of the reason why liberals might end up losing this election in 2020. Now, speaking of uh, that, as we always do, we end the Individual One podcast with an update on the percentages of Trump not finishing his first term in office. Even though I don't think the Ukrainian story is going to, no, it's not going to, as is, going to end his presidency, it does increase the chances of him being impeached and then something else could happen during that process. So I'm going to bump up that number to there being an 11% chance which I think is as high as we've ever gone, an 11% chance of uh, Donald Trump not finishing his first term in office. But I also, because of the potential boomerang effect on Joe Biden, I, uh, which would then give him Elizabeth Warren as his opponent, which is, I think, what he actually wants, and that's what Joe Biden referenced in the clip we played, I think that's absolutely right. Joe Biden would beat him like a drum. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, speaking of, uh, I don't think uh, Biden used the drum metaphor on purpose to allude to the Pocahontas situation, but but uh, because of the Pocahontas situation, I do believe that Elizabeth Warren would have a much, much, much more difficult time against Donald Trump. So I'm going to put his chances of reelection at 43 uh, percent. That'll do it for this uh, episode number uh, 57 of the Individual One podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, review and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual One Pod. That's at Individual One Pod. And uh, until next time. Uh, My name is John Ziegler. You're listening to the Global Story Network. And remember, have a great weekend. The president makes such a thing possible for us all.